Hey party people, welcome to the Cyber Soul podcast with me, the host with the most, Jamie Murphy. I'm buzzing today. Um, I've got an amazing friend, guest, colleague, um, a, a really interesting uh, individual professional in our industry, uh, Alex Shearer. Alex has had uh, a, a long, really interesting career starting off at CSC working in unbelievably uh, finance uh, working his way and paving a, an amazing sales career and um, to which now is in in leadership uh, Alex is going to share some of his story uh, we, we we share some stories together but he's going to take you on a journey and I think we'll both really enjoy it and I hope you do too So look, mate, look, it's great to have you, Alex. Great Thanks, to have mate. you on board. Um, really, these podcasts are all trying to find out that little bit about you. You're you know, well-known in our cyber industry. You've had a great career, all of that. That's a given. And we'll hear a bit more about that. But what I'm really interested about, the passions, what motivates you. So let's start right at the beginning. Um, where, where did it start for you? Uh, I mean, how far back do you go? Right. So, so like yourself, Murph, uh, I'm a child of the 70s, which makes us old, right? We're old. Um, I, I grew up in, in Woking in Surrey and haven't really moved too far from there. Um, my my mum and dad um, still together, uh, hitting their 50th anniversary just in a couple of um, a couple of weeks, which is phenomenal. Big shout out. Massive shout out for that. Um, definitely would have got less for murder. Um, but but no, I grew up in Woking, um, uh, moved to Camberley when I was sort of 10, 11, again, five miles down the road, if you know it, you know, not a million miles apart. Um, home counties, very typical home counties, very safe, very solid, very middle class background. Um, my, my dad was a management accountant. My mum was a teacher. Um, I, um, I went to school like everyone else, boarding school when I hit about 12, 13. Um, which was big for me. I, I remember sitting in the back of the car on the way to boarding school thinking, you know, what have I done wrong? Why am I being sent off to boarding school? Um, but, you know, I loved it. It's one of the best experiences of my life. I went to a, a school in, um, in Pangbourne, uh, Berkshire, which was phenomenal. Um, bizarrely set me up for some relationships later in life that, that you're probably aware of. Um, but four or five years at, at boarding school, I got my GCSEs. Um, didn't do particularly well. For me, school wasn't about learning. I don't know whether you're the same. For me, school was about Joe. class clown, making jokes, mm. winding people up, being being the centre of attention. That's what I loved mm. and kind of probably why I've got to this point now because that's kind of how I operated in class. Um, I think we were probably lucky, Murph, that you know we didn't always need the great grades to get into work 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Personality went in a quite a long way um so i didn't do i didn't get the best gcse's and and you know my second son has just just come out the back of gcse's done really well about to start college my eldest daughter straight a's all the way through gcse's a level degree that wasn't me i was never the top student and uh but but i went on i did my a levels and i kind of got into university but if i'm being really honest the university i picked was because that's it was relatively close to my wife um or what, who was to become my wife um so i went to greenwich university not the most academic thing i went to do sports studies but i did it because i was 
10 minutes down the road from my wife, who was at Imperial. She was yeah. much brighter. Um, so I just wanted to be close to her. This was me in my 20s, probably my first proper love. That was what was important to me, not the studying. You, you, you talk about doing sports and maybe we'll come back to that around, you know, if you chose something like when I was at school, like a drama or a sports, it was seen as like slightly inferior when, when actually as a, uh, as a, it's just something you're good at and something you enjoy doing. What were you, what were the other passions outside of, um, well, uh, obviously you talked fondly about the family, uh, but what, what were your passions at that time? Uh, I, I mean, for up? me, sport was everything, Murph. Um, you know, when I, when I was a, a young kid, it was football every weekend. Absolutely loved it. All of your friends were who you play football with out in the park, out in your garden. It was football, football, football. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went to boarding school and, you know, at the time I didn't think it was anything strange, but it was two days sport every single day of the week. It was matches on Wednesday, matches on Saturday. Um, so it drove this level I'd of competition. I'd have known that. I would have forced that to happen. I, I love it. And, and now when my kids come back and say they do, you know, an hour of PE a week or what, one hour of games, I'm like, what about the other days? But when else are you doing it? Because for me, that was great. And it drove this competitive thing in me. Um, I've always tried to stay relatively healthy because of it, because I recognise, you know, it helps my mind stay free and, and clear that two hours of sport a day, that competition, it just drove me. So I did everything. I did hockey, I did rugby, I did football, I did tennis. Um, now I do, um, I, I, I go to the gym, I, I go skiing, I play golf. Those are the things that I still try to keep with me. And I, and as a dad, it's quite important that they see that that uh, is an example to them that, you know, do sport, be healthy, get active, um, because you see so many kids that don't. So for me, that was my big thing as a kid. You know, and, um having spoke to people professionally um a a really interesting insight was always that um when when you're born you know you 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 don't have the traits you you absolutely just absorb what is around you so clearly what formed you and that sporting i would say it's a great description actually or in terms of how you take on life generally um you've adopted and adapted to moving longer term the interesting thing you said and 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 you're right i was absolutely you know bang average terrible at school um i i was only interested as i say sports and drama really and english was was good fun um but you you i think there's an interesting little thread around that we went into sales or we went into it because maybe that was the door open to to us if we didn't follow a certain path uh, like a trade or maybe a profession 100 percent, 100% agree and you know my, my dad was 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 a management accountant and uh, you know a very traditional career um, but in his defense it wasn't a particularly exciting career is it you don't think I'm going to be an accountant when I'm old. I mean, if you do, I've then... I've got a lot of friends that are, and they love it. It's so strange. But, but, he, was, but he was great. He, he never said, go and do this. He said, just do something that you enjoy, right? So when it came to my A-levels, I did sports studies because I enjoyed it. And, I, and then when I chose a degree, I did sports science because I thought, well, actually, I know that I'm going to kind of enjoy it. I'll turn up. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. No, but it was a nice thought. <laughs> it, it, yeah. was a, it was a thought like a theory. <laughs> it started off okay. Yeah. Um, but, but, but going back to, you know, sort of what, what moulded me, you know, I, um, I, I started at university and, and I really didn't, I, I didn't get on with it. Um, it was, you know, 
I don't know, six hours lectures a week. And I was kind of like, you spent a lot of money back then. Uh, and it's clearly got a lot, uh, a lot more expensive, but I was spending doing six hours a week of lectures. And I was thinking, this is, this is no good for me. Uh, at the same time, I built a, a really close bunch of friends with um, my, my um, sort of my, my ex-wife's um, social network. So I was spending all my time there. Um, then at 20, um, she became pregnant, right? And right, all, all bets are off. All, all of a sudden, you know, university's definitely not important. Earning money Shit is important. Shit gets serious, right? My God, does it? Yeah. And I, it, of course it was scary. Of course, I say of course, it, it certainly wasn't planned. Um, but then, you know, everything comes to focus. And I always knew that I wanted to have kids, but that sort of accelerated very quickly, right? So um, I, I kind of went into the right now, I need now I need a job now I need a trade um so 20 what do you do and uh I, I had I said talk about influence in my life my, my dad and his professional life like well what do you I'll become an accountant I mean what, what else do you absolute sense I mean you, look Alex. at me now I'm yeah uh, I do love a spreadsheet though I love a pivot table um so I so I joined a company called uh, CSC who who yeah, you'll see, know, yeah. know very well um CSC eventually um merged with HP to become what we know as DXC now, right? So, uh, and the reason I joined CSC was because they offered a really good trainee scheme in, in accounting. They will pay for my studies a lot. I know what I'll do. I'll become a management accountant and then I'll always have something to fall back on. So I did that and I, I literally started opening the mail. So invoice, uh, purchase orders come in, stamp them, write dates, pass them on to accounts payable. That that was my, my background. Um, I did... Uh, five or six years in accounting. Um, I started with a management accounting, but you won't be surprised to learn, Murph, that I wasn't particularly good at studying again. There were other things in the way. I had a young family. I was trying to have a life. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I very quickly saw, you know, CSC at the time was one of the biggest IT companies, certainly in, in the area, if not the world. And, uh, and there were a huge amount of opportunities. So I moved from finance into project management, from project management into service management, uh, and from service management, I eventually moved in into sales. And um, if you go back, what, 20 years, I guess it was, to, to those times of CSCs, you know, security was firewalls uh, and not much more. It was the days of the first checkpoint running on Nokia, uh, something you'll know very well. Um, and I, I kind of realized that I liked, I, I kind of, I could do IT. It was interesting. It was quite dynamic. It was quite fast moving. It felt something that was good. There was clearly money to be made in it as well, which was, as I say, very important for, for me and my family. Um, but, you know, I was getting phoned at two o'clock in the morning by a network engineer saying the network's gone down. I'm, I'd be like, well, I'm, what am I going to do about that? I, I'm a service manager. I'm not technical. I've never been technical. Like, I don't think, I don't think you have either. No. Um, but we've found ourselves in this technical world totally. to an extent particularly in a, a few years ago where there weren't the layers that there are today protecting yeah. <laughs> protecting us from the... yeah um so i get these calls at two o'clock in the morning and say the network's down i said well, what do you want me to do about it i said well, yeah. no nothing we're just letting you know it's like okay and and after a while i thought there's got to be part of it that doesn't involve me waking up at two o'clock in the morning and doesn't involve me being technical and um it, it was someone you know, a guy called Michael Collins was, was my account manager right. uh, from, from Integralis. You know, I kind of saw this, I got introduced to the concept of sales at, at that point. And, and I guess my first experience was someone that had uh, an expenses account, someone that could take you to lunch, someone that could buy you drinks, someone that had, you know, 
a kind of a facilitator role and it kind of felt quite interesting so um it started to feel that i could stay within the world of technology but I'd move into more of a sort of customer facing role because i like solving customer problems and that's where kind of moved into the sales thing that i'm into question now. you know I'm, I'm interested to hear about some of those you know the influencing you've made that journey sound like you've skipped through it with flowers and 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 it's been easy but you know going from an accountant through that journey seems like how you've navigated that i'm, I'm interested to hear about the influences help you make those michael collins who i remember fondly as well you talked about but you know going through that journey and also what what were your what were your parents saying uh so, so, so influences i remember a guy called um brian brady who was the fd at csc i don't know whether you ever knew brian no, when you were looking at csc um quite quite a, a tough scott scottish guy but but even even then he would run these big all hands meetings for finance and there would always be some clown making jokes at the back and that was always me oh, yes right? so yes. I, de I developed this kind of persona again where my extrovert tendencies were kind of found a platform for me and it, it, it became really clear to me that the relationships that you build with people carry you a long way so i i was never going to be the person that got the best exam results i was never going to get all the way through those qualifications um, but actually i had personality people seemed to talk to me and to mm. open up and to share things with me uh, and you I learn kind to trade on that, don't you? Yeah. You learn that's actually my currency. Yeah. I might not be the biggest techie or the smartest egg, but what I've got is actually of value and importance. And I think the sooner you realise that, that's where the light comes on. hundred percent. And, and that's not to say that people buy from people. I think that might might have been the case at some point. I think, you know, it helps. But 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 certainly you when you can get on with people and build relationships then you can you can facilitate and, and achieve more through through that teamwork so again you may maybe it's it's too glib to say but if you think that you know i love sport i love being part of a team actually when you move into sales and you're working with colleagues internally and customers externally it's got to be that teamwork thing you've got to be able to gel you've got to be able to get on with people and that's always been something i've done so from the the Ralph Nicholsons uh, at CSC um, again uh, the the Mark Jessops these guys were, were I mean Ralph was my customer as as you know and then he came, joined at CSC um, but but those relationships uh, absolutely help and it 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 felt seamless at the time moving from finance to project management to service management it it probably wasn't but it it just kind of happened and I don't know whether that still exists there probably are companies that you can do that but at the time that was an absolute breeding ground you could kind of do what you want and you, you look at you know choices that people have to make now and there's certainly something to be said for joining a company like that that's got so many different functions and roles so and many doors that may be open yeah. That, yeah. that may not be available or you may have to wait longer maybe that enabled you to fast track into sales because those doors were just open yeah. i guess yeah 100 uh, and for me um Integralis, who you, you clearly know very well, they were a supplier for me when I was at CSC, and um, and it became a very easy move to make to, to because I, I I knew Michael introduced her guys like Andy Milton, then quickly onto Aid Young, into into to GJ, um, Graham Jones. Um, you start building a network very quickly because you become known to them, and um, and it just it just worked out very well for me. So Integralis, 
we we pretty much joined about the same time yeah. actually. Yeah. We came through slightly different routes. You explained. You you came through the customer route through Michael, met GJ and that crew. I I came through the doors the the with Lily White, Neil Lily White. I've talked before on the podcast very you know fondly. But I came through that angle, and I joined with yourself, Duncan Hart. Yep. There's a few of us, Michaela Hart as well. You know, all people having good careers that are great, great. So that just shows you the quality um, that was there. Um, but for you, what was really special about that experience, and you know, what what was great? But what also, what did you learn from from that experience to move forward in your career? So much, so much, and it was. Where do we start? Eh? Well, I mean, where, where do you start, and, and what can you say in public? Um, it, it was it was it was great, and I don't think any of us realised at the time what a great foundation it would give for, for our careers. And if you look at all of those people and, and what they're doing now, even the guys that started as on the graduate scheme were there. They're now sales directors of, of like it's tech magic, companies. Isn't it? uh, it, it's so good, and you build such a big network. And even today, people on my team say. How, how do you know him? It's like, well, I just worked with him 15 years ago. Nobody believes us just, anymore, do and, But it's, it is, I mean, cyber is quite a small world, isn't it? Um, but, but for me, so I, I joined as a, as a managed service overlay uh, at a time where Integralis were, were trying to become that managed service organization. And the, the rationale was I knew managed services because I'd been in that service world. Um, so for me, it was like a relatively soft landing, talking about services, but also getting a bit more salesy. Within a couple of years, um, I was given the opportunity to actually move into a full sales role. Um, I picked up one of the large systems integrators that we were um, looking after. And, and you know, I, I, I just, you know, for me, learning it's a lot about it's experiential. So you learn a lot of your skills from seeing other people in action. And the salespeople around us, yourself, the Dorbs, Hancock, Jane, um, Kaz, Dunk, Michaela, Bevis, great people, Debs, who, who you yeah. know, I'm very, very close to. We, we worked. Big up, Debs. Uh, we had uh, a, a really close close bond, but but also a huge amount of exposure to loads of different technologies. And, lo and you were right at the cutting edge of security. At, at the time, there were two organizations that did cyber. There was Vistorm and there was Integralis. You were one or the other. Mm. Um, it was kind of like Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, it was kind of that. that uh, and, and we were definitely the goodies and they were the baddies. We were the southerners, they were the northerners, very roughly. But roughly, that, but true. That's about right. I feel like that. Um, and we just had Regional a great time. Wars. <laughs> and, and when we had, you know, the, the customer list we had was phenomenal. Um, one of the first people to really develop managed security service with a platform called ISIS. A little bit dodgy looking back that, at that, that now. Correct. Uh, I'm sure it's Integralis Security Information System or something like that. That was what it was called. I mean, I sold it for two years. I should probably know. You should do. Um, but but no, it, it, was, it was a fan, fantastic grounding. But, but uh, you know, you really saw the sort of work hard, play hard culture um, with um, Lily White, with GJ, with, with Riggs, um, eventually Churchy. Um, you had fantastic people to learn from as well. People that had been around the industry, developed uh, personas, their own brand, their own capability. It was it was great to be part of. Um, uh, I was there for seven years. Um, I saw what what worked well, what didn't work well. Um, we had some some huge success, um, but no, it was just just great. And you know, I'm you know I have a very close bunch of friends now, and you know there are nine or ten of us who are still in in regular contact. And and to me, they're they're my closest friends in the world. And um, as an adult, you 
you very quickly you know pick people that you get on with and you gravitate and you kind of hang with those guys and i know that those nine or ten will be my friends for life and these are people that were formed in those seven years at integralis really um so yeah uh, uh, really good for my my career really great for my personal life and you know clearly in that time had had loads of children as well um which was my um but that became my drive, right? So what makes me up in the morning, the fact that I've got four mouths to feed, um, three now, one of them is, is old enough to feed herself. Um, but yeah, but my kids are everything and having a career that would allow me to do that and have flexibility was massive. Do you know an interesting observation and something that I, I, I think made you a bit different from a, a, a Duncan or, a, or me or even Jane, because you came from that service avenue, you'd sort of paved your own way so you were always um, rawer on the customer-centric side, where we were probably, there's a we, royal we, we were rawer on the, the sales side. And I guess over time, we've kind of met in the middle yeah. a bit because I, you know, you, you, you can't, you have to learn to get that balance right. Uh absolutely correct i think there there certainly was a perception of, of the sales guy that was was out there doing the lunches doing the deals being being up on uh, up in front of the um the, the, the powerpoint whatever it might be i was a lot more comfortable being customer side maybe um kind of if you, if you look at way the market's going a lot more maybe solution selling yeah. sort of consultant but selling integrity now. as well though yeah you know, i had a degree looks... my credibility came from the fact that i'd been on that side of the mm -hmm. desk to an extent mm -hmm. Um, so it, it kind of helped, um, certainly in those early days when you were trying to build those relationships, you kind of understood that when you were talking to a network manager, why availability was important, things like that, what a service level agreement was, what a KPI was, why reporting mattered, how you had to demonstrate um, value in a product or a service. So, yeah, it, it was a slightly different background. But actually, I think if you look at you know, the successful sales guys now, they, they have got that solution selling, they're able to understand it. A little bit before better. his time maybe, maybe. yeah uh, do you know the you know i think a real takeaway and i love to kind of like have a little check-in because you know the value of the relationships that you build and the network you build um has been integral to me and it sounds like it was to to you like yeah. 15 we're talking 15 years ago mm. so ever long you know it was and um that seems to still be the foundation of you know, if you appreciating that and nurturing that and valuing it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You talked a little bit about risks. Do, do you take risks? Um, not, 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 not unclassified risk, I guess. Um, there, there will be times. So, you know, I was, I was doing okay at Integralis and I felt like, do you know what, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give Semantic a little go. And I tried that for a year. That was maybe a risk. That said, you know, I learned an awful lot from that, from those 10 months. Um, I, I learned, you know, I was, I was part of, you know, the leading technology company in the world from a cyber perspective. I met some phenomenal salespeople. It just wasn't right for me. There was a degree of risk there. Um, there is, of course, a risk moving from one company to another. So moving from one of the biggest IT outsourcers in the world from Fujitsu to a relatively small security company, that was a bit risky. But actually, it was measured, uh, and I felt that actually the things that mattered would still be um, still be there. Um, so I, I don't take as much risk as I should, and I think that's probably because I've had kids since I was twenty. Yeah. So I've 
you know, one of the things that I've, I've, has always been encouraged of me, and, you know, I applaud you for it, Murph, is, Alex, why don't, you, why don't you do something on your own? Why don't you set something up? Why don't you, you've got so much knowledge, you've got such a great network. Why don't you go do it? And that's, that's been an appeal, but actually I can't take that risk because, you know, for me, the most important thing is paying that mortgage every month, having the car, putting the kids through school. That, so it's measured risk. So, you know, when I moved from Jitsu to Orange Cyber Defence, it was measured. There might be months where I earn a little bit less, but actually that's not proven to be the case. But, but as long as you're layering fun on top, and and stimulation and then that that hopefully gets you the i'm gets you the right i'm really finding that i'm able to focus on my own personal development a lot more at the moment um i'm able to be a lot more of a manager now than i was at fujitsu as well and, and put some time into that so for me at the moment there's a lot of focus on on learning and development within our within our organization and, and there probably should be within the industry um so yeah, that, that became a priority and an interesting thing for me whilst maintaining the culture. So the, the culture that, that Devs and his, his predecessors built is, is one of fun, is one of working hard and, and playing hard. And we still try to maintain that. And we have a, you know, if I look around the sales floor in Waterloo on a Thursday, there is, there is good chat. There's good fun. There will be people going for drinks. There, there's, there are good relationships felt. The team bond is strong. Um, it's not to say it's perfect. It's not the finished article. But then if it was, it wouldn't be fun. If we were, the, if we were maybe Accenture or Deloitte that's got that process and the rigor and uh, I guess everything being straight down the middle, that wouldn't be for me. Whereas actually where we are, we've got that nice blend. Professional, but have fun with it. It's still creating, right? It's still building yeah. a business there. Yeah. We, we talked about this before and, and um, I alluded to it on an earlier point I'm, I was making that, you know, sales as a profession is not even, for me, not, not even, maybe even seen as one. Yeah. And um, certainly that was maybe the route you took if things didn't go well. And if you were an extrovert personality, um, what's your view of, of the changes that you feel could be made, should be made, um, and, and general observation on that? Uh, so, uh, I mean, great question. And um, do, do, do I have a view on, on sales as a career and, and a profession? Possibly so. I think, um, I think, as you say, people kind of fall into it. You know, you don't go to university and study sales or cyber sales. That's not reality. You move into it because I don't know, the money's good or because you are an extrovert. One of the, I guess, if I look back at the last 15 years of, of my, what's been my sales career, I've maybe had four training sessions, training courses. You, you know, you learn the medic stuff. You learn the, the, the insights around different personalities and how, how people behave. But, but three or four training courses in a year doesn't really suggest um, the level of focus and professionalism that maybe it should, given actually what it is we kind of do. And there's, there's clearly a, uh, a lot of noise on social media, like LinkedIn, for example, of the sales guy keeps on spamming me. He won't take no for an answer. He's not bringing me anything I need. I get X many approaches a week. You know, I think salespeople are developing a, a bad rep and, in, and cyber in particular, because it is a very crowded market. There's, there's clearly a lot of money floating around it um, because it is front page news and you know, fairly average salespeople are getting paid an awful lot of money for being not very, not very good and not delivering their customers anything. So I think we don't always help ourselves and, but, but equally we don't help those sales guys develop. So, you know, three courses in 15 years, that doesn't suggest a huge level of progression for me. It's um, 
it's an industry because it's target orientated there's a short termism yeah which i think is um when you look at maybe people who take a more strategic view like a deloitte or a pwc or more established businesses that there is a more long-term view because that's the business they're in yeah um and that makes it a challenge i think it is a a big thing to to overcome because um how do we communicate with a community where actually we might be able to help in yeah. some way um but i think you know i look at always a real life example i don't pick up any phone calls from people that i don't know the number for i don't even answer virgin when i know it's virgin and i've been with them for 15 years yeah um and i think it's because of the language that they're communicating with me and doesn't feel right and i think you know for me it's working out how can we communicate with the industry better yeah um and, you know that's that that's one i think we should look at yeah i, I think we are cer certainly in the world that the orange cyber exists in what what we are positioning are, are fairly complex solutions to the problems that are impacting businesses right so organizations are going through a huge amount of digital transformation right? this sounds like a pitch uh, this is not my elevator pitch organizations are going through a huge amount of change but they need to do so in a secure manner and let's hope it's a tall building yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. share a show here we go um but 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 as salespeople, we need to be savvy of the fact that that it is complex there are multiple stakeholders that you know different personalities will gravitate towards certain other types of personalities so you know the sales process and cycle now is 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 properly a team game so you need to be a lot more of a team player it's no longer jamie murphy rocking up with his um with his balenciaga trainers doing a deal on himself no, you don't you don't need just dave polton in the background you need a whole bunch of people you in the background um so i think we need to be a lot more sophisticated in how we do it um the the, the phrase value is, is is absolutely overused but we do need to understand you know why it is customers need this thing they don't wake up in the morning saying do you know what i, I really fancy buying some seam today i really want some xdr it's, it's not reality yeah. um it, but they do wake up saying do you know what i've got to support remote working because of covid i've got to move more of my key applications into you know a cloud kind of um model that's what they need to do and they just need a partner that gets that so for me we've got to keep on educating and that's not just vendor accreditation but we've got to keep on educating the salespeople on how to communicate mm. um, how to build relationships how to manage and work within teams um, and then obviously you have all of the old skills typically associated with sales how to present themselves articulately how to write a good rfp how to run a good bids team how to negotiate how to create commercials and if you look at you know the the salesperson now you know we, we've named a whole bunch of people that, that we've worked with you need so many different skills you need to be that person that can read a contract you need to be the person that can negotiate a deal you need to be able to work a spreadsheet you need to write an rfp response you need to create be creative with technical stuff you need to work your stakeholders these are complex things all of those things themselves are not easy they're skills that you need and, to develop uh, and the expectations maybe to for people who haven't got that experience to go and get that quickly yeah um but it's a results business isn't it so so you you bring somebody in and you say right go, go and do this thing and you expect them within you know three six months to have done it but actually because that's their target but then if they don't do it they failed and i think that's where we're, we're finding the right balance at, at 
um, uh, OCD at the moment or cyber defense at the moment, which is, do you know what these things, they, they do take time. They, they do take um, some nurturing opportunities, take a lot of um, culture and a lot of development with, with the customers. So, you know, we don't expect results on day one or even in month three, but by yeah. six, you want to start seeing some season. I think that's your, you know, you've been able to bring your experience into the culture of the company because maybe that didn't, that wouldn't be there without, without you. And that's probably the value and the, and the excitement that you get. You've been very positive so far and I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, but I'm also interested to know about failure, you know, because uh, mistakes, failure, cock-ups, everyone loves a cock-up, but um, what's, the, what's the thing that stands out for you around failure and how did you overcome it and move on? I guess like um, like many salespeople, you, you tend to erase all, all, all the failures. So there, there have absolutely been... Everyone um, else remembers them, mate. <laughs> oh, just me then. <laughs> yeah, yeah short to memory. Um, I'm like Nemo. I remember uh, yours. Uh, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remind me of them every time you can. Um, so, so you know, there are little things that I can remember that I think, oh, my God, how did I do that? What was I doing? I, I remember um, that the very first customer meeting i mentioned that i when i was at integralis i looked after one of the big systems integrators uh, and i went into a meeting with uh, neil lillywhite um our sales director at the time and and any salesperson would say the absolute worst audience you can have is when you've got your boss next to you so he was next to me and we were meeting the cto of this organization and i didn't know much about much if i'm being perfectly honest um, i was the managed service guy i wasn't the cyber sales guy that i was now trying to fill those shoes and so we went in to meet the cto of a huge um, IT organization and all I knew was we had we had to you know people were being successful by by selling this stuff called F5 um, and I had no idea what it was but I thought you know what I'm going to chuck this across the desk straight away at the CTO and it was something very blunt like how are you doing your load balancing at the moment and he went what do you mean Alex and I went uh don't actually know. I had nothing to back up with. I hoped, you know, like this, what is it that keeps you up in the morning? He would just go through all this stuff. Actually, Alex, what we really need to buy is 15,000 F5 LTMs or whatever it was. That's what I was hoping was going to happen, being new to this gig. Strangely enough, it didn't. He kind of wanted me to elaborate on my question. I had nothing. And, and Neil, also not the most technical person, he didn't have much to add either <laughs> to the subject. Uh, so I kind of, the lesson I learned from that was if you're gonna go in and ask a question, make sure that you've got some context and some something to follow up with. So so, so that was one. Um, we've talked a lot and there's been lots of different people that we've kind of like flown through and we, we talk fondly about them all. Um, I have a view around mentorship that actually it's not a person, it's not something you buy. I want to be your mentor. It's actually a collective, a bit of a spiritual yeah. thing that you take on a journey. And sometimes the best mentors, you don't even know you're being mentored. Yeah. Um, can you talk, you know, briefly a little bit about that? Um, yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's this concept of 70-20-10. Um, 70% uh, of your learning comes from doing. 20% comes from working with colleagues and 10% from formal learning. So if you look at that uh, and the biggest part of your development comes from being in there doing the do. So um, if, if I look at mentoring and things that influenced me, I, I probably look at my peers around me. So, you know, who is the best person to teach me how to qualify a deal? Duncan Hart, without exception. Yeah, um, he, he ruthless. Quali ruthless qualification. Love him. Within, within 30 seconds, he's looking at his phone. If the deal's gone, um, the best 
commercial account manager who would write a contract better than any lawyer, Michaela Hart. Um, best person to, to, you know, navigate your way around an organization, Jane Dorbar, Jane Hancock, Jamie Murphy, yeah. dare I say. Yeah. Um, the best technical salesperson. You're looking at someone like a Dave Poulton or a Martin Budd who's done that sort of pre-sales. Um, so I look at those, those people around me that have been there, done it. But, but also, you know, you learn from you know, people that have, we've, have come up behind the ranks. Mm. You know, Dan Drew, like phenomenally successful guy. Mm. Look at that hunger, look at that drive, look at his dedication. It's it's so great to learn from. So um, for me, it's the people around me. That's that 70% of learning. There are are professional organisations. So, you know, we've recently um, signed up with Niall Anderson, a guy who um, who, who I know you've worked with, who Chris Devil's worked with, who Dan Colleen's worked with. We, we're lining him up to work with our, our eight biggest most, most uh, salespeople with the most potential. Um, working with an organization called Slingshot Edge who, you know, really get into human psychology and behavior and how to, um, you know, leverage the chimp, um, the chimp paradox in the, in the sales process. So um, these are things that, you know, I find quite interesting and I'm hoping that my, my team and those, those around me will benefit from us. Uh, benefit from as well. So for me, it's it's those around me. I've uh, you know nice, we, we look nice at approach. we look at Neil Lily White. We look at um, Ian Rigby, Graham Jones. You know, if I look at operational finance management of, of a deal, Chris Deverell, absolutely. Yeah. You know he he doesn't claim to be the best salesperson, but if you go to to Chris and say, you know Chris, talk to me about this deal sixteen months ago. What was the margin we made on it? How long did that take? He'll know. He it. would bore you with that but answer, wouldn't he? He, he knows he, it. He's the man. Uh, and. You know, that's why I talk about this superhuman yeah, salesperson. Really it's a number of different um, capabilities. So, yeah, it's those around me that I would say. Not a, a nice and it's good appreciation. That actually, the team make up uh, yeah. the success or the failure. It has to be. It's, it's a team game. And, um, you know, the salesperson ultimately is at, is at the sharp end. They will live and die by the results. But actually, it is a team game. And you need a really great bid manager. You need a really good technical pre-sales consultant you need you need a good marketing organization all of these things add up to the sale and you know there has historically been a them and an us culture between sales and delivery but that needs to change as we move forward i think culturally i think um really good observations but you know we passion just oozes out which is which is is amazing my one of the things that's important to me is music um before we before we sign off what what is the music that makes you dance uh obviously every sunday murph i, I spend in the bath listening to you and, and bros uh, on cyber soul so I, I i'm i'm not a musical snob or a purist i will listen to anything i i love dance music i love listening to the stuff that, that you and bros do um i love house um I, I used to back in the day i was into sort of gangster rap and hip-hop and stuff yeah i've been through a rock phase. I listen to pop. Um, I'm, I'm not fussy. Uh, What's on in the car at the moment? If I switched it on, Capital Dance was was Capital on the car. Dance. Yeah, God bless it. Yeah. Um, very little talking. Very few adverts, but some decent music to listen to on the way up. Not, nice to hear that. Yeah. Alex, look, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much Likewise. for your time. Shared some great stories and uh, top man. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having man. me, mate. No worries.